When Andrea was a teenager, a boy broke her heart. So she wrote about it using an unusual metaphor. June 23rd. My heart is like one of those plastic bins you used to get bulk Lego in. (laughs) You know, cheerfully tacky red, clatters when you shake it, but it should come with a warning. Caution, once open, you'll probably lose pieces. You will no longer have a thousand assorted bits and bites to build upon. (laughs) They will steal your Lego. That's Andrea comparing her heart to a plastic tub of Lego blocks. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Hello, St. Albert. Oh, boy, oh, boy, it is nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in St. Albert, Alberta, we have an accident during sex ed class, a rant about pandas, and a very embarrassing journal entry about a particularly smelly moment. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help us understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Very often the things we hear on stage at Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote As Kids are embarrassing or cringeworthy. And I think that's a good thing. When we look back at the things we used to do or say or think, and we feel embarrassed about them, that's often a sign that we've made progress, that we're better than we used to be. That cringy feeling, it's a powerful way to measure personal growth. Our next reader, Matt, he read a journal entry from grade seven, explaining one of the most embarrassing moments of his childhood. Today was a weird day. I pooped. In my pants. At Aaron's house. While we were playing. I don't know what I was thinking. I probably had the feeling that I needed to go, but I didn't want to stop. I could feel it coming. It's a thing I've felt before, but I just didn't go. Maybe I was having too much fun with Aaron and Patrick, and I didn't want to miss anything. I don't know. I'm so confused. Why did I do that? Patrick knew something had happened because he asked Aaron and me what smelled so bad. It was pretty hard not to smell it. I just said I had stinky farts. I'm so confused. I just don't know. Please don't tell anyone. Thank you. That is what we call bravery, ladies and gentlemen. A big part of being a teenager is dealing with your body and the physical changes that come along with puberty. 
Our next reader, Moira, she wrote all about those awkward and uncomfortable physical changes in her journal. Live on stage, reading her thoughts on puberty from 13 years old. Here's Moira. It's here. I finally got it. My you-know-what has arrived. I was expecting that I would totally know when it was going to come because Hannah said she could feel hers coming for days before it did. She said she got hers a few years ago and it was kind of scary when it first happened, but now she calls herself a pro at it. As if you could say you're a pro at something like that. As if. She acts like she's the only girl to ever get it, which I know is totally dumb. Hannah always tries to make herself seem better than me and everyone else. I've seen Simon, hearts, 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 staring at her yabos a lot lately. Maybe that makes her better than me, but I heard from Emily that Hannah is totally failing science class right now, which is like dumb, because how can you be a pro at something like that and failing science? (laughs) Brains are better than boobs, and I've got an A minus in science class, so Hannah can just go jump in a lake. I'm kind of worried about going to school tomorrow because I feel like everyone's going to know. Some of the guys in my class like to yell, Red Army coming through, when the girls are walking down the hallway at lunch. How would they even know? What makes them so smart? It's not like they have to worry about anything to do with getting it. Boys are so dumb. Simon is so dumb. He thinks he's going to make me jealous by staring at other girls' boobs all the time. I don't care. I think I saw Hannah stuff her bra. Her boobs look bigger some days, and I'm pretty sure I saw a piece of Kleenex hanging out of her shirt in social studies the other day. She thinks she's so special. Do I have to tell Simon? So far, he's just kissed me in the swimming pool a few times, and Angela says that means we're going out. But he didn't ask me out, and I didn't ask him out, so does that mean we just hang out and kiss? I don't know. He kissed me at the skating rink the other day, and I swear my skates melted the ice. He's so cute. I think I love Simon. Maybe we'll get married one day or something. I guess when you marry someone, you have to tell them you get it. That's going to be totally weird. I don't even know how to say it out loud. So far, I've told Angela about it. She's my best friend in the entire world, and we tell each other everything, so why wouldn't I? She got a bit weird when I told her, and she tried to hug me. I hate hugs. (laughs) Then she told me I should sleep in my sports bra and eat a bowl of chocolate ice cream every night before I go to bed. (laughs) She did that, and it made her boobs grow really big, really fast. (laughs) She told me that wearing the sports bra will keep the fat in my boobs, and that makes them bigger. I don't know if I believe this, but if it means Simon will stare at me and not Hannah, I'll totally try it. (laughs) Angela told me if I have any questions, I can just ask her. She says the code name is Aunt Flo. And if I say that to her, nobody else will know what we're talking about. Her parents work for the American military, so Angela's really good at keeping secrets. My dad has some books at home from when he was in med school. I looked at them a couple of times when I was babysitting Ryan, but they don't have much information on when a girl gets her Aunt Flo. I think I just have to ask Angela when I have questions, because she knows what she's talking about, and she has tips and tricks for loads of stuff. 
So it's good to have Angela around. I don't feel different. Check my face in the mirror, I don't think I look any different. I'm gonna try Angela's tip about the sports bra and then write about it later. One girl in my PE class says when she doesn't feel like doing PE, she tells Mrs. Boyer that she has Aunt Flo. That's pretty cool, because I don't think Mrs. B would, like, actually check. <laughs> but this girl had hers three times last month, which is, like, totally not normal, but since nobody's going to check, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't have any more questions about it right now. It doesn't really hurt all that much, so I think I can handle this. I wonder if I told my mom, would she want to go shopping or, I, I don't know, I feel weird telling my mom about this stuff. It's not like we talk about anything like this. Dr. Microphone, aka Dr. Anastasiatis, brought some things into science class the other day that he says are for when a girl gets it. It was totally embarrassing to hear him talk about it. Then he tried to put a condom on a cucumber, and the condom <laughs> flew across the room and landed on the window ledge. I just about died from laughing. I hope that never happens to anyone I know. It would be so weird. Anyway, I think that's it for now. I'll write more later when I have more information from Angela. Thanks. Moira, ladies and gentlemen, very, very nicely done. Young love can be complicated and confusing, especially when it comes to the physical stuff, understanding who you are, what you want, and what you're ready for. Our next reader, Kathy, shared a number of diary entries written when she was 18, all about love, romance, and intimacy. Please welcome Kathy to the Grown Up Street Things They've Heard Kids stage. A quick heads up, Kathy's diary entries do acknowledge the existence of sex. She also uses a cuss word, which we do not believe. February 3rd, 2000, 11.31 p.m. Thursday. Ah, it's been over two months now since Chris and I first went out. Last Wednesday, we had our second month anniversary. Woohoo! I can't believe it. I can't believe how fast time has gone by. It feels like just yesterday we were on our first date, and now we're so comfortable with each other that it's almost unreal. Although at times my feelings run a little too wild for me to handle. Let's just say that Chris and I are pretty much at third base now. <laughs> We've definitely passed first and second. Just the other night we were together and I suddenly felt ready to have sex. Now is that wild or what? I've never had that feeling of wanting to have sex with anyone before. Not even with my ex-boyfriends. So this was a strange feeling and I kept picturing the two of us actually doing it too. It was very strange. I really do believe that what Chris and I are sharing is love. I mean, it's been two months since we started going out, and we still talk on the phone every day, and I haven't gotten sick, of t sick and tired of him. <laughs> Even when I saw and was with him every day during Christmas holidays. I still can't stop constantly thinking about him. He's always on my mind. Not even a minute goes by that I don't think of him. He completes me. <laughs> I get antsy and irritable if I don't hear his voice every night. It's insane. And I'm so happy that I feel like this. February 6, 2000, 10.15 p.m., Sunday. I asked Chris if he would go with me to my grad, and he said yes. I know that it's very early to be asking someone to go to grad. But I've been wanting to ask him, so I finally got up the nerve to say something. 
I feel so fortunate and lucky and special to be with Chris. He makes me feel so complete, beautiful, happy, and I believe that we are in love. I know that it sounds like it's a long shot and we're too young and it's too early to be thinking like that, but I believe it and I'm feeling it. I'm so sure that the thought of being so close to him almost brings tears to my eyes. The feelings that I have for him are so strong that it's hard to explain in words what I'm feeling. I know I would be traumatized if we ever broke up. I don't know if we'll be together for the rest of our lives, but at the moment, I can't help thinking otherwise. That's how strongly my feelings are for him. March 13th, 2000, 4.36 p.m., Monday. Oh, God, I've got myself all freaking confused and shit. <laughs> I'm still going out with Chris and all, but I'm starting to want to be single again. <laughs> I'm losing interest in him. I don't know why, really, but my feelings for Blair are coming back. <laughs> I actually don't think they ever really went away. They just weren't as strong as they used to be. But we're in the same social class right now, and he's back to his normal self, and he's actually treating me a lot better than Chris is at the moment. We actually laugh at my planner while Chris thinks it's really juvenile, and there's grad. Chris is so freaking uncomfortable with going to grad with me that he won't even go in the limo. So I'm just going with the girls. I'm starting to dread going out with him. I don't want to anymore. All he wants to do is the physical stuff, and I'm not mentally or emotionally stable right now. I'd rather talk and do other things. And he can't understand that. Every time I tell him that I'm not feeling right or that I'm depressed, he makes this big sigh and says, again? That's not exactly being very sensitive. And lately I've been very depressed and haven't really told him because I don't want to have him complaining or sighing all the friggin' time. It gets very annoying. Every time I tell him something about my problems, he doesn't try to understand. He usually says, well, have fun with all that, or something else that makes me not want to tell him about my problems. Aren't boys supposed to be there for you? But when I tell Blair things, even the littlest of things, he listens. It makes me feel appreciated, and I like feeling that way. March 21st, 2000, 6.21 p.m. Monday. Well, Chris and I are now officially broken up. I broke up with him on Friday, and Blair has a girlfriend. <laughs> How could I have been so stupid to think that Blair liked me or likes me? I am so stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> I had a feeling, too, and just like always, my intuition was right, right on the money. Oh, well, I'll get over it. I kind of don't want to be dating anyway, so I'm fine with just being friends with him. Hmm, yeah, oh, well. <laughs> Thank you. Kathy, ladies and gentlemen. After the show, Kathy called in to reflect on her teenage diary. I remember feeling somewhat pressured into the idea of sex and going all the way, um, despite deep reservations against it. Um, I think part of me really thought I was ready, but I'm really glad that I had waited. Um, I do remember feeling anxious and nervous and talking or thinking about it, and um, a bit panicky as well. Um, so I'm, I would go back to my inner self and tell me that I'm proud of the decisions I had made and that, yeah, that it was a good idea. And I listened to who I am deep inside.
When Michelle was in grade four, she wrote a very short story starring a family of horses. And she dedicated that story to her parents. Written for my mom and dad. What are you doing? I am running away, oh mommy dearest. But where are you going, said dad. I'm going to Calgary as a bucking brave pony to eat hay and drink nothing but water. (laughs) Then I shall go with you as a pony and eat fresh hay and to drink water from a stream, said mom. Then I will dive into the stream and go to Saskatchewan. (laughs) I will turn into a fish and be happy. Then I shall go with you, doubter of mine. I shall dive into the clear stream and swim throughout it and hug you nicely, said Dad. (laughs) Then I will grow winges and fly in the sky as high as I could go. The we will go with you and fly in the air and take you home with us. Then I will get sick so you won't want me anymore. We will always love you, and we will nurse you till you get better. We love you, oh doubter and flower of mine. (laughs) Never go away. I love you too, oh parentis of mine. (laughs) And I will love you forever and stay here with you. Thank you. When Benjamin was 12, he attended a citywide Lutheran church youth gathering. And at that youth gathering, he wrote a short play. Before our live event in St. Albert, I asked Benjamin what his play was about. And he told me, Medieval times. (laughs) And a mother tempted by evil. Please welcome Benjamin to our stage. Setting. (laughs) Medieval. Our characters. Mom. Dad. Crazy Wolf Tree. Oracle and Screamer. Narrator. One day, a father and mother were told by a giant head to go for a walk in the woods. Being it a giant head, They, of course, took the walk. And thus, our tale begins. Oh, look at those flowers. I'll go pick some, says the mother, running off. Okay, says the dad. Psst, hey, come over here. I got something for you, says the crazy wolf tree. Really, what is it? Ultimate power, buddy. Cool, how do I get it? Eat these magic cookies. The dad eats the cookies. In a different area, the mom is picking flowers. The screamer appears. I'm a little teapot, short and stout! (laughs) The oracle now appears. Incoming message from the giant head. 
footnote which reads, see sheet. I sadly no longer have the sheet. (laughs) So we're missing a crucial part of the story, clearly. The mom runs back. The dad looks at mom. Come, join the dark side, and together we'll rule as mother and father. (laughs) Never! I'll stand strong! But there's no pain, no fear. It's perfect. No, it's evil and dark. You shall pay for your insolence. Fight scene. (laughs) Victory. Narrator. And thus, good overcomes evil as usual. How boring. Joining us on stage right now, Sarah is going to share something that she wrote when she was 13 years old. And what you need to know is that for biology class, Sarah was told to write an assignment for school about pandas. And after she wrote and handed in the assignment for school, she had remaining feelings about pandas. So she wrote something just for herself, (laughs) ranting, against pandas. Please welcome Sarah to our stage. Pandas are unnecessary. A scientific-ish study. (laughs) I would like to begin by stating that I love animals, except for most bugs and assholes like the bottlenose dolphins. (laughs) I will generally fawn over most quadrupeds. Coincidentally, I also love bacon, but that is neither here nor there. (laughs) Anyway, despite this, I have begun to question whether the adorable creature known to all as a panda is a really necessary thing. But, you may say, horrified, they're pandas! To which I would reply, yes, they are pandas. But they are also bears, and bears are badass, while pandas are not. (laughs) And here I quote Wikipedia. Though the giant panda is often assumed to be docile, it has been known to attack humans, presumably out of irritation rather than predatory behavior. (laughs) Thus, pandas really should not be allowed to be bears because they are not badass. (laughs) No, seriously, (laughs) what do pandas have to offer the world? (laughs) Almost all creatures have their spot on the great food chain so that even mosquitoes and stuff help keep the great circle of life in full swing. But where does a panda fit? Its only natural predator is humans, but that's hardly saying something since we're everything's natural predator. (laughs) Pandas don't feed any other creature, nor do they cull the herds of other species by preying on them. All they eat is bamboo, despite the fact that they are officially carnivores and derive little energy or protein from eating the stuff. Another Wikipedia quote. The limited energy input imposed on it by its diet has affected the panda's behavior. The giant panda tends to limit its social interaction and avoid steeply sloping terrain in order to limit its energy expenditures. (laughs) They are the Homer Simpsons of the animal kingdom. (laughs) Sitting on their asses and generally getting in everyone's way. And they probably laugh about it. Moreover, and most astoundingly, pandas do not feel that it is important to have sex with each other. Anything that that does not have the instinctive urge to dim the lights and put on some berry white really does not exist. (laughs) In the wild, the males and females only come together when she's in heat. 
After they have done the deed, the male leaves without so much as a, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) In captivity, it's even worse. Pandas just show a complete apathy towards mating with each other, so much so that scientists have gone so far as to showing them panda porn and giving the males Viagra. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) I can't help but feel that the pandas we are trying to mate are all, dudes, just give it up. It's not going to happen. Find new dreams. This is, of course, our fault. I'm not going to mention human expansion and the destruction of pandas' territories, because that's a given. It's the fact that we have messed with evolution so much that it is basically a thing of the past. Humans are the only creatures who will save anyone and anything, no matter how big the odds are against it. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, necessarily. I mean, we should totally help people who are dying of cancer to punch death in the face. But if someone decides that it's a good idea to strap themselves into a parachute made out of bedsheets, tie themselves to the roof of an SUV and parasail down Deerfoot Trail, then maybe they should just go gently towards the good light when the inevitable happens. (laughs) But no. Rather than rejoicing over the fact that natural selection has just roundhouse kicked another douchebag in the nads, someone is going to call an ambulance, and that guy has just as much effort put in to save him as any other person would. So in conclusion, the panda, (laughs) well cute... (laughs) really just doesn't need to be here. It is an animal that has no inclination to do anything to progress its species. It is the stoner of the animal world. (laughs) Just sitting on its ass and eating the nutritional equivalent of potato chips and Dr. Pepper every day. Pandas are dumb. Let's use science to save more deserving animals, like the tiger, or create cooler ones like the werewolf. Thank you. Sarah, ladies and gentlemen. I think a lot of us in this room probably wrote things because we had to for school, and maybe some of us wrote for our own pleasure. I'm not sure how many people in the room tonight cited Wikipedia in their own personal writing. is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Our show is recorded live at the Arden Theater in St. Albert, Alberta, and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our associate producer is Olivia Nashmi. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. And our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. Our live event in St. Albert was presented in partnership with Star Literacy. Special thanks to Shelley Pasek and the St. Albert Further Education Association. Now that you've heard Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, why not watch too? Search for Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids on Facebook to see daily videos from readers across the country. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. Oh, did I read your secret safe?